What's going on, FA Nation? Happy holidays, happy festivus, whatever you celebrate. Happy start to the NBA season. Happy almost fantasy football championship victory lane. What's going on? It is the Family Times podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com. My name is Justin Fensterman, along with Matt Sells per the usual, but we got a new guest in the house. Haven't gotten the chance to catch up with our favorite foodie, Dan Malin. FantasyAlarm.com. You can catch his coverage. Also, by the way, in chat Sunday mornings, helping you out when it comes to fantasy football, answering questions like a freaking faster than a speeding bullet. What's going on, Malin? How you doing? I'm doing well. Dipping my toes into the NBA DFS slate. Uh, it's been a wild one on this Thursday. I, I don't play a lot of NBA DFS, but I've been told that a 13-game slate is a little unheard of, even in NBA territory. Oh, it is. It definitely is. And it's, you know, you're not going to have after having the first four teams play a couple nights ago, then you had the rest of them. So it's normally not that big, but a lot of the slates, I'd say you're averaging between nine and 10 games on the large ones. So this one is very, very large there. But hey, glad you're having a good time. And for all of you, fantasyalarm.com, DFS, NBA, get involved because hey, the season only ends when you allow it to end. Matt Sell, star of the show. How's everything? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. It um went to bed last night, was not supposed to snow here in Lincoln, woke up this morning, we had a winter storm warning, and it snowed all day. And it's uh, currently two degrees outside, so, Oof. you know, that's that's what's going on in Lincoln, Nebraska right now. We're, we're, we're pretty chilly here the couple days before Christmas, so. Well, it's um, going to be, it's going to be, a, what do they say, it's going to be a white Christmas for you there. Maybe. We'll see, because it's supposed to get up to, I guess, the 40s on Christmas, so we'll see if any of the snow sticks oh, around. Oh, it's going to be a very muddy Christmas. For yeah, you. exactly. It's going to be a slushy, muddy Ugh, Christmas. Good, so. good luck with the dog, too. I'm experiencing <laughs> that. We had a snow out in Maryland, just crazy. But let's talk about what we're going to talk about tonight, and that is championship week in fantasy football. <clears throat> We've got some players that are going to be very, very difficult to start. I'm going to lose sleep over some of my start-and-sit decisions, and Guys, at this point, I mean, it's been a crazy season, a lot of injuries as expected, but I am in, unfortunately, of the 12 leagues, I am down to just one championship. How are you guys holding up? Uh, I did not make the playoffs. So. <laughs> I guess not good then. <laughs> no, not not so much. I got dinged up. In, uh, so Malin joined my home league this year. You um, did better than me, let's be honest. Yeah, but so that <laughs> roster, I went three wide receivers in that league. <clears throat> I went DK Metcalf, Kenny Galladay, and Michael Thomas. So obviously we know how that turned out because Michael Thomas and Kenny Galladay were bust, like <laughs> just massive busts. Um, so yeah, I did not do I did not do so well. Um, and then in the staff league, it did not go well either. All right. So in the same exact league, and this is a high stakes league, so it's it's basically a two hundred dollar buy in. I was telling myself the entire time, like leading up to the draft, like don't get crazy, just kind of stick to your draft method. And then as soon as the pick comes to me, I see Clyde Edwards, Elaire, and Patrick Mahomes are available to me. And I'm like, I can't resist stacking this offense. And so I went Clyde Edwards, Elaire, and Patrick Mahomes because I knew Mahomes wasn't going to come back to me. And, uh, yeah, that bit me in the ass. Um, <clears throat> I think at one point I traded Terry McLaurin and Jonathan Taylor when Taylor was slumming for Michael Thomas. <laughs> And that just, that just didn't work out well for me. Well, how about this, Bill? And I have I one on the same platform as that when it comes to unfortunate trades. Maybe the worst trade I've ever made in fantasy football. 
and I had a very stacked receiving core and it took this team to the semifinals. I traded, I needed running backs. Earlier in the year, I traded Jamison Crowder from Mark Ingram. <laughs> oh. not, not so good. No, but I mean, I feel like, uh, God, and I think I, I actually traded uh, the, the McLaurin and Taylor trade. I think I sent that to Drew Phelps. And I think, oh God! It, it just, did you make it, did you make his team better? I made it seem better. Oh, you know in never to do that in, in hindsight because I thought I honestly didn't think that we were going to get Michael Thomas with these, you know, weekly. He was going to be entering each week with a questionable tag, only to miss or only to play like what four games? The se- yeah, four games this season. <laughs> right. So I thought, like, if anything, I don't know. It was it was a bad move by me. It was a poor draft strategy. I, I didn't exactly exercise the discipline that I encourage others uh, to utilize. I, I went Mahomes and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and it's not like a, a CEH was bad. It's just he he clearly was not first-round value. Could have gone uh, with a running back or wide receiver that would have paid off more. Uh, but, yeah, my first year in my high-stakes league with Matt Sells. I hope I don't get my uh, invitation revoked because I'd love to come back next year. and run. Yeah, Sells. Aren't I on the uh, number one list for the reservation to get into yes. this league? Yes, Fensty is, is – had we been able to get one more guy to join, Drew Phelps let us down on that one, uh, Fensty would have been in the league too. So you would have had the three of us in the same <clears throat> in the same league. And Fensty lives to beat Drew Phelps in well, fantasy. What is this with Drew? And then Drew <laughs> like, is all – He Drew lives all, to beat Drew. You, you want to tell me what you want to hear a funny Drew Phelps story? It's holiday time. We got to have some funny Drew Phelps story. Here's a funny Drew. We all, by the way, we all love Drew Phelps. He covers PGA DFS for FantasyAlarm.com. He Works literally on- got me my job here, so I can't yes, really he's, talk. He's Matt Sell's cousin-in-law by marriage. Yes. So yes. So so Drew Phelps says to me before. I'll say this: Andre Drummond is facing off against the Hornets. Excellent matchup for him. And, you know, excellent. It's great. However, let me tell you guys something about prop betting very quickly. 14 rebounds, 14 and a half boards for any player is a very large number. And I told Drew to be careful with that going into the night. I said, be careful with 14 boards. With guys like him, I love 11, 12. And he's like, it'll be fine. And then he messages me with like eight minutes left in the game. He's four boards away. and then. He ends at 14, and the prop goes under. So that just shows right there, you can't play with fire. 14 is just too rich and should be too rich for your blood when it comes to prop betting for rebounds. Yeah, that's a pretty big That's a pretty big number, even for Drummond, the guy who literally just stands in the post and waits for the ball to come to him. Right, uh, that's on a, all he a, does. <laughs> right, but that's still a huge, I mean, that, that's a really big number. Yes. So, All right, sells back to you here. What what was were some of the worst trades that you made? I mean, you heard some garbage moves from Malin and I, especially <laughs> Malin making Drew Phelps oh, better. Can so, I get another take? Can I? I don't want to interrupt, but like, can I get your take on that trade? Because this this owner has been talking a lot of crap that he actually uh, like won this trade decisively. But before the season even started, I picked up James Robinson off waivers. And I traded him for Antonio Gibson. And I, I I, am willing to admit that I got the losing end of that deal by acquiring Gibson for Robinson. But it's not like Gibson. So he thinks he won the trade in a landslide. 
But like, how far off did I lose this trade? He thinks he he won it by a mile. I think he was a little more close because what's what's the scoring in this league? Nick? It's just a redraft. It's a full point PPR. It's okay, full point PPR. Yeah. So, um, think because look, going into the I mean, going into the year with with the reputation that Gibson was having, he was on a team and that he was said he could be versatile in the passing game and on the ground too, like he was in college. So I kind of see where you were going because with Robinson, at the time, we all viewed it as just opportunity at this point. Someone's got to fill in those carries that Leonard Fournette being off the team leaves behind. So I don't know if it was a landslide, but I'm looking in PPR scoring right now, and I'm seeing Gibson 183 and Robinson 250. And that's Yeah, that's – I mean, you're talking, what, 70-point difference over the course of – a full six, season. like fifteen <clears throat> weeks at this point, fourteen games. Right. So, and at the time when I made the trade, I was looking at it in a sense like that's five guy points. I, of, that's five points difference a week. Yeah, and I, I, I'm not saying like I didn't lose the trade. I know they lost the trade, but he's making it seem, and he's like touting everyone. It's like, well, I beat a fantasy analyst because, you know, it's like he, I clearly trade raped him, and I don't like using that term. But at the same time, I was basically trading a player I picked off waivers for a guy he drafted in the ninth round of our draft. Yeah, I mean, going into the season, I think that's a the guy's trading for upside. Right. right? Yep. Versus, and mind you, he's in the toilet bowl and I'm not. Versus Antonio <laughs> Gibson, who was supposed to be the starting running back for Washington. And then we all got greedy with Peyton Barber's, what, two or three touchdown game <laughs> right. in week one. And then J.D. McKissick had a role, and then Gibson came in, and then, um, you know, so I think going into the season, it's not that bad. Has it turned out not great? Yeah, but hindsight's twenty twenty. So, you know, it's the same thing as trading Terry McLaurin for Michael Thomas. You're thinking, okay, well, I'm getting, you know, Michael Thomas can't be injured the whole year, right? Well, what you forgot, though, is that he was on the cover of the F.A. draft guide. And we, we've apparently uh, started cursing people. By the way, the that's cover. my fault. I suggested you put him on the cover. This. Well, no, it wasn't. It, it, it didn't start with Michael Thomas. Last year, we had Andrew Luck as the cover boy, and then he retired. And then we changed it to Saquon, who then got injured. So we got two guys in one year. <laughs> and then the baseball one was Juan Soto. He got COVID to start the year. Um, I don't remember who was on the NBA cover guide, the, the cover boy last year. For... I forget too, but Malin, before I do forget, I just want to let you know that that whole thing and, and something you just said, and that's when you're <clears throat> playing in a league against someone who is in the fantasy space, act like you've been there before. Mm-hmm. All right. On any yeah. given week, a, you think of the, the best fantasy analyst in the world. So Matt sells. You know that's <laughs> that's that's the first name that comes to mind. Let's say I beat Depends Matt on the Sells. Sport, man. Let's say okay, hang on. Let's say I beat Matt Sells by thirty-five points in a week. What all, all of a sudden I'm better than Matt Sells? I mean, it's you don't know what the deal is with his roster. You don't know who's on by. Oh, for sure. Obviously, so it's like whenever you're saying that because like a lot of us like to play in leagues with subscribers. Mm-hmm. And that's and you know what we want to do it. We want to give the subscribers an interactive experience. But look, on any given week, you guys can beat us. You guys can beat me on any yeah. given day. Any I given actually, fantasy. 
I actually had this scenario happen uh, a couple of years ago. I was in a work league with some colleagues of mine um, at Domino's, and you know everybody knew my other gig was writing fantasy sports. Um, so they wanted me in the league, just you know, up the level of competition, I guess. Well, you know, and this goes back to knowing the league rules, but they had, like a bunch of noobs, they had set the season to end on week 17 for the championship, right? So I didn't know that until I got into the playoffs. And by the way, I had the best record all year, had like seven guys in the top eight of their positions on my roster. Well, the problem was when I made the championship, those guys did not play because their teams had already clinched the seed in the playoffs. So why play them? Right. So I lost, I don't even remember. I could go through like, it's a litany of guys that I lost and I had to go basically dumpster dive on the waiver wire, uh, the Thursday before the championship game to go find players. And the guy beat me by like four points. But here's the thing. He beat a team that had not a single guy in the top 10 at any position starting. And he only won by four points. So, And his team had, like, multiple dudes in the top 20s of their position. So, you know, he's touting, oh, I beat a champion, I beat a, you know, I beat a fantasy expert. Well, you beat a C-squad from a fantasy expert by four points. Right. And the fantasy expert, by the way, still knew exactly who to pick up on the waiver wire for the best matchups and got, like, I was still the second highest scoring team in the league that week between me and the consolation bracket. So, like, what are you going on about, man? You beat right. a C squad. Right. It's like one of those things. Just do it Do it in the championship, though. And, by the way, something I was talking to Adam Ronis about on the Alarm After Hours radio show that I wanted to bring up to you guys is, and this this tends to happen a lot in championship week, and, Malin, I want to start with you here. What do you think about, let's say, you and I are facing off in the championship and I have a two, three-point lead, and I have got one player to go, and I decide to just forego that and bench the player and just have an empty spot. That way I don't lose any more points. What are your thoughts on that? Is this, is that a problem with ethics? Should it be illegal? What do you think? Uh, <clears throat> so I'm of the mindset that you need to roster a legal squad every week. And that means you need to have a player in every spot. You can't have an empty bench spot, regardless if you know you're locked in to win or not. However, I also say that if you're if you don't have a set of bylaws within your league, right? If you have if you do, if you have loopholes within your league, then that's on your league. If if you have the opportunity to just lock in a win and bench a player, go for it. Overall, I think all teams need to like hammer out bylaws and say like every team needs to have a legal roster where you can't bench a player, you can't have an inactive player starting, you need to fulfill every spot on your roster, and you have to have somebody starting. Uh, but it, at the same time, I also say like if your league just openly allows it and you have these wide open <clears throat> loopholes in your league where you can bench players if you know you have a win locked up then you can go for it. That's kind of where I stand. I know it's mostly sitting on the fence. I'm not a fan of sitting on the fence, but at the same time, I operate within the rules of every league that I have. You know, I wrote out Taysom Hill as long as I could at the tight end position <laughs> on, on my ESPN leagues. I picked him up in three leagues, 
in one league, I was told I was it was voted down by the league that I couldn't play him at the tight end position. In two other leagues, it was vote it wasn't even discussed. They just let me play Taysom Hill at the tight end position as long as I didn't make any other changes to my roster for two additional weeks. Hmm. I'm now in the finals in those two leagues. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, well, you turned it into a super flex, so I'd hope I'd hope you were in the finals. Exactly. And so Taysom Hill wasn't starting anymore, so I took him out, and I, could, I had to make other changes to my roster. But same, So I operate within the rules that my league sets forth. Uh, but if it's a situation where, you know, the league says I can't do something, then I'll make a change. Right. Like, let's say let's say it's not That's kind of a boring answer. I know. But, right. you know, no, I almost went answer. to law school, so I'm a slightly litigious bastard. No, it's not a boring answer because, you know what, I was telling, you know, I was asked to pick a side and I was saying, you know what, this is one of the few situations where. I can't pick a side, and if it's not written in the rules, I'm fine with it. If it is, though, and then someone tries to pull that off, you're breaking the rules. That's breaking a rule that's written out that you in the uh, – by the way, I have a family full of lawyers too. So I'm all into the contracts and the paperwork and everything. Yeah, and so baby. it's like when you agree to be in the league, you agree to abide by the laws and the rules of the league. Sells, I'm going to put you in a situation here, man. I want to get your take. Say – it's not written in your rules. You're the commissioner of the league and it happens. It doesn't involve you, but someone comes and complains and let's just say they want to hold over giving you the league entry fee. If they haven't done it yet, what are you going to do about it? Uh, tell them, look, man, it's not, you know, he didn't take, they didn't break a rule in the league. Is it, do I consider it to be unethical? Yes. Did I watch several people this past week lose because they played, they had wins and then they played Juju Smith Schuster and lost by like, you know, a couple tenths of a point because he fumbled it being tossed like a rag doll there at the end of the game? Um, you know, so, so my point of view would be is it uh, ethical? No, I don't think so. But if it's not in your rules, then how can you enforce something that's not a rule, right? Right. Like, I would say you signed up for the league. You've played the whole season, which, by the way, you should have already paid if that's the case. Um, and then, you know, you should have noticed that that's not in the rules and either brought it up earlier or we can put it in for the following season. But there's nothing you can really do about it at that point. Um, nope. My personal point of view of this goes back to um, a Red Sox, actually. Uh, Ted Williams was hitting over 400 on the last day of the season, and there was a doubleheader. He played the first game of the doubleheader, was sitting over 400 for his batting average. The manager gave him the option of sitting out the second game of the doubleheader and keeping his 400 batting average. He didn't. Right? He didn't. He played. He said, I want to be known as a 400 hitter who played all the games. So he played, took the risk. It worked out for him. He hit 406. But... You know, that's kind of my viewpoint. Like, if you're not going to play a full roster, how can you tell if you actually beat somebody? That's a good question. That is that is a very good question. And that's something because that you're... A, you know, it's... I don't know. You get an unfair advantage by not... Like, yes, you didn't gain any points, but you made sure you didn't lose any points either. So... If, if you guys feel strongly about this and you're commissioners of your leagues, you need to... This isn't something that you vote... 
This is something that you just put in the rules. Mm -hmm. And what I do is I try to go a step further and I make sure that everybody that is in my league, I literally text them and make sure that they have received the email with the rules because that is a confirmation that they have received the rules ahead of time and that they're abiding by them. And I even, it's not just the league message board. I literally text everyone in the league. And I asked for confirmation. See, Malin, there you go. Lawyers and fantasy sports. Guys. Got lawyered. That's right. That's right. And if you get lawyered, sometimes you feel like an idiot. And guys, since it is the holiday season full of cheers and beers, let's talk about the idiot of the week. So I have a feeling it's going to be a fun little go around for us. And let's start with our guest of honor here, Dan Malin. Dan, where are you going? I'm going to be quick because I know you guys probably have two other worthy uh, candidates. I'll call them that. Uh, I'm going to refer to last night's NBA idea uh, or just NBA slate in general. Paul George uh, threw it to nobody, literally threw a pass to a ghost uh, early in the game against the Lakers. I think the Clippers ultimately won the game. Didn't really matter. But ultimately, uh, this pass early in the first half literally just threw a ball to a ghost. It went out of bounds. It was a turnover. The referee was even like, what the hell are you doing? I'm not on your team. I'm not on anybody's team. Paul George was even like, ah, that's my bad. Uh, Paul George throwing it, the throwing the ball to nobody, costing his team maybe two or three points. Didn't matter ultimately because the team won the game. Uh, that That's my idiot of the week. That's, that's our, our, because when I was watching the game, I was, it was literally one of those moments where I was like, what are you doing? And then, uh, yeah, Paul George throwing it past to nobody. That's and, he, and it's interesting, Malin. He's one of the smartest players in the league, too. And You know what? And, and I'm not a huge NBA guy, but I've been told, like, he is one of those guys who just has an overall good awareness of the court. Yeah. Uh, he, he knows his surroundings. And he literally, there's nobody in the arena, especially during times like these. So it's like it's COVID oriented, and he just passes the ball out of bounds to to air. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's so, not exactly going to make Warner it, Wolf sports moments of the year right there. My uh, <laughs> recent idiot of the week, and I'll pass the ball off to to you, non idiots of the week. Very true, Matt Sells. Who's your idiot of the week? Uh, mine is going to go to uh, Dwayne Haskins of the Washington football team, which, by the way, we apparently got some rumors today that they might just stay with that name. Apparently. Really? I'm yeah, actually there, I think there it's were some leaks. There were some leaks, although the club, the, the team president came out and said, do you think we would be leaking this this way? So I don't know. We'll see. Wouldn't shock me if Dan Snyder stayed with Washington football team. But anyway, their quarterback and now former team captain, Dwayne Haskins, was caught on video at a strip club uh, after the Seattle game, which, by the way, they lost and had a great chance to win it late. They were driving and didn't make the plays they needed to, lost by five. Um, so, A, what are you doing after a team loss, right? You're in where the he had multiple playoff, interceptions. Right, where he didn't exactly play very well. Um, you're in a playoff hunt, haven't clinched anything yet. Yeah, are you in the driver's seat in the division? Sure, but it's not like it's saying anything to be in the driver's seat of the NFC East. But then also, what are you going to that to a place like that for during COVID? Like, those places are not necessarily the, what you think of as sanitary to begin with. And then it's COVID, right? So now you're going to spread it to the rest of your team in the two most important games of the season? 
for you? Like, come on, man. And so they fined him $40,000, which is half of a game check for him. And they took his captaincy uh, away from him. And he may or may not play quarterback uh, this week, even if Alex Smith oh, isn't ready to go. Oh, he's playing. He's Dude, I've got... A share, I've got a major share of J.D. McKissick. I've been watching this piece of news like a hawk. I need him to be active and ready to go. Well, no, slap, They slapped a fine on him. They didn't suspend him for the game. No, but the, it's still up in the air whether they actually want to play him or not. They could play Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas was a quarterback in college. So, Oh, my God. So so now we're going to be, dealing with, this, we're gonna be dealing with this crap again. Now yeah. Logan Thomas is going to have tight end at quarterback. Yeah, but this one's a end. legitimate tight end that you could play tight end because that's where he plays. It's not like ESPN somehow deciding a guy li- listed as a quarterback for four years qualifies at tight end. It doesn't make any sense. But, yes, Dwayne Haskins is my idiot of the week for just multiple reasons. Yeah. Uh, maybe someone who isn't as bad. Actually, someone along the same line. James Harden. Dude is tearing the Rockets apart. I mean, seriously, this mm-hmm. guy from from everything that's come out in the ESPN article about him, how he shows up on his own time and the organization just lets him do that. And that's bad. And I always argue that the Rockets organization is just crap. And it clearly is now that we see all this stuff coming out. James Harden, man, not only am I about to start calling him a poison player, I don't know if he's an actually contributor to an NBA championship team. I don't know if he could keep it together. So that's one thing. And here's the other thing. Another guy being investigated for going to strip clubs. And so with that, he got fined for it too for that. And now half the Rockets have COVID issues now already. Like, dude, just stay home and eat Dunkaroos. Seriously. <laughs> well, it looks okay? like he's been doing that, too, because it doesn't look like he's in great shape like, either. Who? Wait, who? Harden. It was yeah. one bad photo. Yeah. Look, this guy thinks he can walk on water. Okay, James Harden and Russell Westbrook winning the MVP ruined the MVP for the National Basketball Association. These guys are stat packers. Yes, do they make their teams better? Offensively, yes. Defensively, both of them are horrible in that regard. They're not complete players. They're stat packers. There's a difference between being the most valuable player in the league and stat packers. And for those that want to build their team around him as the number one guy, good luck with that. It's not going to work out. He needs to be a number two. Guys, family table time. Our final event before the holidays sells. You want to get us started? What are you bringing to the table? What I am bringing to the table is this. Enjoy this time of year because like nine months ago, we were pretty sure we weren't going to be enjoying what we're enjoying now. We've got NFL going, right? They've basically crammed in an entire season nearly uninterrupted. Yeah, there was a few games that got pushed back and played on Tuesday and or Wednesday. Um, You know, but we got basically a full NFL season. NBA is up and going. The NHL just announced their 56-game schedule for this upcoming year. Got baseball starting to kick into gear with some pretty key free agent signings that have happened this week. Dan and I are going to be back in less than eight weeks with NASCAR coverage, and we've got some sweet stuff cooking for NASCAR on FA. Uh, There's all sorts of sweet new tools for the NBA. 
and NFL lineup generators coming. There's all sorts of stuff going on. So enjoy this time of year. I know we don't get to necessarily see family, but you can always Skype or Zoom or, you know, use Microsoft Teams if you wanted to. You know, you can video chat with people. So enjoy this time of year. And don't forget, in a week, we get to write 2021 on our checks. There you go. That's very, very true. And by the way, if you don't can't see your family, you can always hang with your Fantasy Alarm family. Hey, you can't spell family. family without F.A. And speaking of right. family, we have a family member with us, Dan Mellon. By the way, you can follow Dan on Twitter at RealDanLanta. Dan is an enigma on FantasyAlarm.com. Covers multiple sports for them, including you got a little football, NASCAR, as we talked about with Mr. Sells over here. Dan does baseball. Dan did the challenge at one point. Did XFL. At one point as well. He did a little bit of everything. It's coming back in 2022, yes, damn it. it. Yes, it is. So we will once again do it. Malin, what are you bringing to the family table? I'm going to bring uh, two pieces of advice. And it's only because I kind of realize these things. Uh, I'm 31 years old now. If you're heading into high school, and this is just a piece of advice, it, or not necessarily heading into high school, or if, if you're heading into college, don't feel like you need to go to college. You know, like... Because my issue with high school is that they don't stress enough about the 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 toll that college loans uh, take on you once you come out of college and you have a full time job. If you're just going to go to college and come away with like you know a relatively safe job that offers about thirty five to forty thousand dollars a year, that's good. But I mean, like the monthly payments you make coming out of college. Uh, just to repay those student loans, you're going to be eating those payments for about 15 to 20 years. If you're really good at saving money, you, you move back home with your parents, you can probably pay those off in like seven to eight years. I've heard ridiculous stories about people paying those off in two to three years. Good on them. Don't feel like you have to go to college to make good money, Just to, especially if you're not getting scholarships going into college. Right. You, know, you can make good money without a college degree nowadays, just with what we've seen uh, in the entrepreneurial uh, sector as well. But if you do go to college and you come out of college thinking you have a track, don't be discouraged if you find that what you thought you wanted to, to do with your life isn't what you wanted to do, with, to do with your life. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life until I was 29, 30 years old. I've been working with Fantasy Alarm for four years now. I love that I can make some money with them uh, in addition to what I do with my want to do with my full time career, and my full time career has absolutely nothing uh, with what I want to do with uh, what I actually majored in. I was a poli sci. I was a political science major in college. Do you think I've ever uh, wasted an ounce of my energy uh, helping out with 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 a local campaign or becoming a politics expert? Hell no. I live in Georgia right now and. And we're currently in a Senate runoff, and I'm sick and tired of hearing campaigns. Like, I have a poli-sci degree, and I have I have no interest. I'm going to vote, but I have no interest in, in ever working on a campaign. I work in the movie business for F's sake. And so don't be afraid. Like, if you come out of college and you just realize, like, I want to do something else with my life. Because when you come out of college, you're still relatively young. You, you have many years to decide what you want to do. You have many years ahead of yourself. When you come out of college, it's not the end all be all. Uh, so that's my advice because personally, I didn't figure out what I wanted to do with my life until I was about 
27 years old and a part of me still feels like I don't have my life completely together. Uh, luckily, I have cells who I talk to almost on a weekly basis to kind of <laughs> rein me in and and call me out when I'm being an idiot. Uh, but but really, like, don't overreact. If you come out of college and you're still kind of scared and and you don't know if you have like your your path in life, that's okay. You may not find that path until you're like 26, 27, or in my case, until you're like 29, 30 years old. Like, you know, like you, you don't need to go to college. That's just my hot take. And if you do go to college and you come away with it and you still don't know what the hell you want to do with your life, that is perfectly fine. It's okay. It really is. I mean, you really learn is. a lot about yourself. You will find your niche. You will. And that's, and then, by the way, I'll say the same thing about grad school as well. I mean, when I graduated, I mean, I've wanted to go into broadcasting my whole life. It's kind of the opposite as you, Malin. And my father, by the time senior year rolled around, was like, well, why don't you just go to grad school for a year? Go to grad school. And I'm like, well, grad school does nothing for me. It does nothing. I need to be out in the field. I need to be getting my hands dirty. I need to it be is literally more it. valuable to be in that field than right. it is to just go to school for it or go to right. grad school. I need to learn about the world. I can't be, you know, I got to start learning about how things roll. So, Malin, well, I can I tell you. you from personal experience, I have a master's degree. It doesn't do me any good. Exactly. I have a master's in sport administration. Thought I wanted to run a, I went, a GM I went, or a AD. I graduated with a four-year degree and then i went back to film school and when i got into the film industry people in the industry said we don't care about your film degree or your four-year degree and so it's like it, it is literally more valuable to get hands-on experience in whatever field you want to go into than it is to just go and get a degree for it. amen man and that's man I, I hope my father listens to this episode because that was the conversation that i had with him multiple times and he, he didn't we wouldn't understand and i you get it. People get it. And with what you said, you are absolutely right. My, what I'm bringing to the table, and I don't like to get kind of personal, critical and stuff like that, but I'm about to do it right now. And that is the, what the holidays mean and the respect that comes with them and being respectful to other people. And I know this is brought up sometimes as something controversial, Christmas is coming up. A lot of people celebrate Christmas, and I understand that. And I don't celebrate Christmas. I don't. I am Jewish, and that's fine. But if you wish me a Merry Christmas, I'm going to thank you, and I'm going to say Merry Christmas back to you. I'm not going to correct you and say I'm Jewish. You can be a total stranger on the street, and you come up to me, you wish me Merry Christmas. I could be going to get an Italian sandwich at my favorite Italian sandwich <laughs> shop. You wish me Merry Christmas. I'm not going to correct you and say I'm Jewish. I don't celebrate Christmas. I'm going to say thank you very much for taking the few seconds to wish me well in the holiday season. And I'm going to say it right back to you. And if it's me, if I'm initiating it, I'm going to say happy holidays. But if someone says Merry Christmas to me, Fensterman, Mr. Jewish man, I am going to thank you and say Merry Christmas back to you. Because in my opinion, that's all. It's all about respect. No one knows what each other's religion are. It's all about respect. And that's what the holidays are about. So let's just remember the little things and just remember, hey, even though you may not celebrate, if someone wishes you a happy holiday of a specific holiday, just say thank you and know that it's the gesture and it's nothing personal. Do you guys have any? You know what? You know what? On the other end of the spectrum, if someone was to wish me a happy Hanukkah, 
or from December 26th to January 1st, if someone wished me a happy Kwanzaa, you kind of reciprocate that as well. So it's, it's, it's not just like, it's not only the Christmas time of season, it's, it's other uh, right. holidays as well. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, if, if I'm right there with you, Fenty, obviously I'm Jewish as well. We celebrate. And Dad, both by the way, Dad, households. I only brought that up because I only use myself as an example. No, 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 and I understand. Yeah. And it's and it's not like if somebody wishes me a happy Hanukkah, it's not like I uh, will like after December twenty fifth, I'll say Merry Christmas. No, like I have acknowledged, like I will say Happy Hanukkah in return because I kind of understand if someone is wishing that upon me, I understand it just clicks in my brain where I'll just be like, oh, okay, that may be what they celebrate, so I'll just wish it upon them right. in return because they were nice enough. To wish it upon me so yep. it's just not just being decent uh i'm not overly religious uh I'm, a, I'm more agnostic than everything but i understand like there are holidays so you're in the boat you're well, cells are you in the boat with Malin and i yeah i mean if i initiate it i i likely say happy holidays because i don't want to make judgments on right you know, of course people of course and but if they say merry christmas i have no problem saying merry christmas back we celebrate both in my household um, and you know, be decent. Also, yeah, it's just decency. Just but also, like, to go to go off of what you said there, Malin. The we, you know, us Hanukkah celebrating people have kind of a floating range here because it changes every year. <laughs> so like, two how years does that ago, work? I don't know. We, calendar we, can't, <laughs> we can't go down this road, okay? The oil only <laughs> the oil only helps the light shine so brightly. Real quick, the Jewish calendar is based. Lights. What are these lights running? <laughs> it's a lunar calendar, yes. right? So it holds true based off the phases of the moon, but the phases of the moon run every 28 days compared to the uh, Mardi Gras. When good it's job, Malin. Calendar. Good job, Malin. You got Schwab started up here. Good job, Malin. <laughs> this is so it just floats. The, the bottom line is happy holidays to all. It's been great having Dan Malin with us again on Twitter at Real Dan Lanta. Follow his content, fantasyalarm.com, at the salesman for Matt Sells, also on fantasyalarm.com, making all those amazing tools that you're going to be able to use to dominate in 2021 and beyond. You can follow me at Fenty Sports, a family that sticks together, wins together. Happy holidays to all. Be safe and let's dominate through next year and beyond.